Brilliant Misfits, Episode 54, with Amanda Roberts. They're going to be insistent until you listen to them. So that's what the messengers, you know, whether it's fear or whether it's your intuition or anything else, they want to be heard. And when they're not heard, they then start to look at other ways to get the message out to you. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Asia Kennedy. Welcome everyone, Asia Kennedy here, Brilliant Misfits. I'm so thrilled that you're here and I want to start today. I have another Brilliant Misfit guest and I can't wait to introduce her. But before I do, I just want to have a moment of gratitude with you all because I've been doing this podcast now for about a year, a little over a year, and I'm really grateful to all of you who have listened to episodes, who have subscribed, and it means a lot. I really love sharing and highlighting these amazing journeys and the common thread seems to be through all the women I've talked to that at some point in their life they've felt like they didn't fit in and it's been a great thing because it's led them into exploring new ways and really being true to themselves and then being really brilliant at what they do and I love that and I think that I want to celebrate all the misfits out there and if you're still a little bit hesitant about being true to who you are I hope that this show will encourage you and inspire you to really find your own way your own unique expression of consciousness. So without further ado I'm going to introduce my guest today. Her name is Amanda Roberts, and she is just an amazing woman. She has so much under her belt, and she's a healer. She is one of those people who has come into the world with a very thin veil, and so she really has this ability, this gift, I would say, to walk between worlds and dimensions. And, you know, she does kinesiology, but she does so much more than that. And Amanda, I'm going to introduce you now and let you just talk a little bit more about what it is you do before we get into exploring some topics together. So welcome, Amanda, Amanda Roberts. Oh, thank you, Aisha. I have to admit, I'm sitting here, I've been sitting here listening to you do the intro just pretty much peeing my pants in excitement because it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm so honoured to be on your podcast. Um, so <laughs> I just had to say that first. Um, <laughs> so I am, yeah, I guess it, it's, look, it's taken me a long time, most of my life really, um, to get to the point of figuring out what it is that I'm here to do. And I'm really grateful for all of those years of not knowing because they've really informed so many um, lessons for me in, in my work and in the people that I'm here to help. And um, they've helped me, help shape me to be the person and the practitioner that I am. Um, I My journey in, in the spiritual world probably began before I knew what it was to be spiritual. I just knew I had interest in in things that weren't necessarily of this world um, in the normal sense. And um, I never really, like I guess it, like all kids, that gets shut down because when you look at the world, 
we're not really taught about spiritual things, most of us. We're taught how to tie our shoelaces and um, when to go to bed and all those sorts of things. And so kids just kind of naturally shut that sort of thing down. It never really left me, however, and um, when I was 21, I moved to Sydney and I, um, from Melbourne, moved to Sydney and I pretty much started looking up um, spiritual things for no reason except that, well, why not? I was in Sydney and that was the beginning and there was a long journey of paganism and all sorts of exploring all sorts of paths before I met um, my main spiritual teacher for many years um, when I was about 27 and I started studying uh, yoga like um, a philosophical basis of yoga as opposed to the, the physical practice um, and you know deep studies into yoga and, and form and formless meditation and I practiced with him on yearly retreats for six years before I found myself eventually becoming a yoga teacher <laughs> and I thought, this is it, I've found my thing. And then um, I was plunged into, I guess, um, a fairly traumatic incident in my mid-30s and that led me to kinesiology and um, that was one of the main contributors to my healing process um, as well as healing from trauma but also healing from an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's. And then um, I guess I was like, eventually it dawned on me that that's kind of maybe what I was meant to be doing. And I was gifted some um, money from my grandmother's will and found my way to kinesiology studies. And I've never looked back. But I guess um, the further I've gone down my path, the more that the the different realms, the different worlds have opened up. And um, so I've probably never practiced straight kinesiology from the very beginning. Um, that said, I do love practical, physical aspects of kinesiology, but um, it's very much multidimensional in my clinic. We work with everything from if you've got a thyroid or an adrenal problem all the way through to, you know, past life stuff, whether or not people believe in it really isn't relevant. What's relevant is where the stress is held in the, the body and the energy system. So I just allow myself to go with what shows up for the person as opposed to my belief system about whether or not something is real. And so that's probably a summary of how I got to where I am and my work. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Amanda. And I want to just... Um, ask you about the word healing and the definition of healing because you know it means a lot of different things for different people and I have had a session with you um, probably maybe a year ago or so and you know I didn't know what to expect I knew a little bit about kinesiology but there was so much more in the session with you it was so rich and it still resonates with me all that time later um, I have the crystal that you uh, that you know that was suggested I, I went out and got that and I really love that we're talking about this and we're talking about it without shame and without saying oh you know this might be too woo-woo for the listeners because I really truly believe that um you know, we're so fortunate, and I do believe in reincarnation, and I think I've been crucified and burnt at the stake and many things in lifetimes past, and I feel incredibly grateful that I was born as a Western woman this time and that we do have this 
incredible golden opportunity to bring forth all these gifts again. And I just see women all over the planet doing that. And you're one of them. You're really bringing through so much of that ancient wisdom and knowledge and just trusting it. And I want to just ask you about healing, what that means for you, and um, and also the whole idea of not knowing and how beautiful that is to revel in not knowing because I think a lot of us uh, get really fearful and then we try to know, you know, we have to know. So would you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah. It's just I- a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> just a small topic. Yeah. Um, oh, look, healing is to me, it's such a layered term. And um, I think that for a lot of people, when they hear the word healing, they think that it means that there's something wrong with them. Mm. And the way that I always talk to people, my clients, um, and anyone who's interested in their own healing journey is for me, it's about coming back to who you really are. And so I use that metaphor. I don't know if you've ever heard um, of the idea of an artist who works with, say, something like marble or wood, and they see the raw material, but their vision actually holds the, the end result of what they're going to create, it's in there. It's already in that marble or the wood or whatever, clay or whatever it is that they're working with. And the way that they get there is by carving off what is not part of that vision. Excellent. And so that, that says to me that we're not actually broken. There's nothing wrong with us. It's just that we think that there is. And when we hold those really strong beliefs that, you know, the mind is incredibly powerful in what it can manifest, we manifest, I'm wrong and I'm broken. (laughs) And so really, for me, nobody is broken. Nobody needs fixing or saving. Um, It's up to us as to whether what version of, you know, that the raw material we want to be. Do we just want to stay the raw material and feel crappy about ourselves and pile more stories on ourselves about how we're not okay? Or do we want to reveal the divinity of what we are on the inside? Yeah. When we just allow that shape and that true beauty of that raw material to come through. Mm, what a beautiful analogy. And as you were saying that, I was just picturing this big block of something solid and imagining inside in the very center is this light and the light is trying really hard to get out. And I guess being born in a human form, it's our, in our mission or purpose in a way to, to, as you say, take away all those things that get in the way of our true self, our true nature. Yeah, I, love that de- I love that definition of healing. Oh. Yeah, look, I've, I've, I mean, in, in uh, my kinesiology studies, it was all, oh, you don't, you're not a healer. You don't do any healing. Um, it's facilitating the change for someone else. And so there's this sense of, um, you know, trying to, I, I understand where that statement comes from. It says, you know, you're not the doer. Um, in, in yogic terms, we talk about there is no doer. There is no actual being or identity that's doing the work. Mm. I totally get that. But at the same time, um, there's a there's a combination of things going on. There's the right practitioner for that person at the right time and the divine timing and all of those things coming together. So it's almost like a chemical or an alchemical um, response. And, you know, you go to one healer, you'll get one result. You go to another healer, you'll get another result. And none of those things are wrong at all, but it's just what you're getting in your healing is a combination of 
of people coming together to work together for something that's in your highest good and you being willing to do the work and um, then allowing yourself to be revealed, allowing the truth to be revealed. And sometimes that's things like letting go of the stories that we think we don't even want to hold on to, but we do because it feels in some way that it keeps us safe. So, you know, like I was just working with a client before and it's like, I'm so sick of feeling this way. And my question was, well, okay, if that's true, then why are you holding on to it? Oh, I'm not. I don't want to. But you, there's, there's, if we really don't want something, we get up and we walk away. But when we've got, like, skin in the game, when there's a benefit to holding on to something that makes us feel crappy, then we do. And it's usually on a deep subconscious level. And so the journey was to go in and find what the story was. And once the pieces of the story come together, we shine light and consciousness onto what's really going on. That story no longer has to hold itself in place. Mm. And that's another aspect of healing. So I think it's a multi-layered thing. I think the practitioner brings aspects, wisdom, knowledge, you know, information, channeling, connecting to divinity, and the, the person coming to see the healer is also, you know, bringing all of those things and their desire for change. But the desire for change is different for different people at different times. There's no way to absolutely replicate what's going on from one person to the next because everybody's got their own stuff going on. It's very individual and unique, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that uh, that's a really important point that you're making um, about, you know, when we come and we have these feelings, then we're suffering in, you know, how whatever level of suffering that is. It could be mild, it could be severe, but I think um, recognizing that, that, you know, we have to be willing to change, but if that change doesn't happen, like you, as what I understand you saying, that there's somewhere in there a payoff for not changing and, yeah. and that's what you're uncovering. Yeah, which is not to say blaming the person no. for the problem, but it's to say, um, so for in this particular case that I was just talking about, the deep fear was the fear of being alone. Mm. And so if I've got suffering going on, then I need people around to help me and therefore I'll never be alone. As opposed to I can be, you know, healthy and together and still have people around who will love me. They're not just going to leave me just because I'm fine. Mm. Mm. So in what ways do you think, I love this topic so much and, you know, talking about safety and surrender, um, I think like I encounter even in myself, of course, that, you know, surrendering one, it's really hard to surrender if you don't feel safe. So what what would be a way for people to start to cultivate feeling um, the capacity to surrender and to feel safe in that? That's a really good question. I think that from my own personal experiences, um, surrender is, you know, I've been trying to write a blog post about surrender for maybe a year, but I keep feeling like I don't, I don't know enough about it. And I think that, that we don't get taught surrender. No. We get survival and it's our natural instinct to survive. And surrender can really feel like dying or like giving up. And yeah. yeah. So and sometimes when, what we're giving up is the thing that is causing us suffering, but we, but we don't see it. It's unconscious. And so correct. in the work that you do, you're actually helping people to see 
that that's what's going on. And once it's seen, once it's brought into the light, then I think that ability to surrender would be like very much welcomed. Yeah, it, it's true. Um, look, and this conversation could go all the way through to, you know, the, the concept of what consciousness really is and what enlightenment's all about and, you know, all all of us who we really yearn in, in every single client. Eventually it comes back to there's a yearning for unity with unity consciousness, whether you call it God or the big universe or whatever you want to call it, in your religion or your beliefs or whatever it is, that sense of unity, be, feeling connected, feeling safe, feeling whole, as opposed to, you know, we come here as a spark or a, a fragment of that unity consciousness. And you did mention the words inner light before, and that's actually what our inner light is. It is that unity consciousness spark that remembers that it is actually God. But the rest of our life, we buy into the story that we're cut off separate and alone and we're all trying to get by and when we're doing that and we can't, it's just not possible to surrender because that surrender feels like we're going to die because in some respects that's what is dying. It's our separate consciousness that says we are, we are separate and cut off and alone and that's the only way I know to go about doing anything. Mm, exactly. I so much agree. And in my own journey, which is ever going, you know, I think people think that, you know, that they put some things in place in their life, then it's happy sailing ever after. And I'm not saying that it doesn't get better. Of course, it does. My life has improved greatly. And I suffer much less than I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. But still, I think like, you know, what you're saying about like, yeah, just being able to surrender those things that no longer serve us and and those parts are the parts that are dying yeah 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 and look I went through last year I thought I thought oh my goodness in my life I've done so much surrender I've done I've had to you know I've lived a lifetime of um chronic uh complex uh traumatic post-traumatic stress that I didn't actually know I was even living in until I was then assaulted when I was in my 30s and then all of that trauma came to the surface and I was questioning myself and I was saying why do I feel like I've got so much trauma going on and the truth is that that trauma was just tapping into the deeper well of everything that was going on underneath and I had no awareness of that and as a result I was blaming myself saying, hey, you're overreacting to like one night of being assaulted. You're ridiculous. But the yeah, the, the underneath stuff wanted to come up. And so I've done incredible amounts of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual healing on all of this stuff with naturopath, kinesiology, acupuncture, yoga, meditation, you name it. I've absolutely thrown everything at it. Um, and then just when I thought things were like getting together and I'm like mastering being an empath and everything was coming together, then I was hit with a massive spiritual opening, the likes of which I've never experienced, which was last year. And was my that a physical life- sensation or all levels or how, yeah, did that, or- how did that manifest in you, that, that- awakening? Uh, gee, I'm still putting it into words. I, I have mm. been writing it and journaling about it. Um, it's still, you know, it's, it's certainly like the big explosion of it all was, um, is over, but there's still ongoing waves of it processing. And it's definitely physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, energetic. 
everything has changed. The way that I eat changes. The way that I sleep changes. How much I sleep has changed. Um, you know, for some time, there were several months where literally trying to do normal human things was beyond me. Pay bills, do the washing, do the dishes. You know, it was really, really difficult to just kind of connect with that sense of being human. Um, and so it was this incredible blowout that impacted me on an adrenal level as well because I'd had a lot of adrenal issues before. So it was another level of feeling unsafe because my whole identity and who I thought I was was being shredded. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it was it was very, very challenging. It and, can be terrifying. Uh, absolutely terrifying it's not for the weak of heart which is I guess why hopefully with the compassion of the universe those things don't happen to people when they're not ready um but yeah it was even so even after everything I'd been through it was terrifying um you know the 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 um there were sort of like several months of kind of everything agitating and then there was a single night when everything blew through and um I I saw many different faces of God and I kind of saw the length and breadth of the universe and I was being shown the sacred geometry of the universe and um, I could see my physical body writhing on the floor. I was actually in a conference room in the middle of Melbourne CBD. You know. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> Luckily, I was with people that understood and I was supported and I was okay, but it was extremely – there was a part of me going, oh, I think I have to get back to my body because I came in a car with other people, so they're probably going to not want to have to deal with my body. Maybe I should come back. <laughs> but it was it was that out there, and um, you know, I was altered in an altered state for several days afterwards, um, where just doing anything was really really difficult I was just looking at space I was staring at molecules of water going wow wow look at what's inside of that molecule um so yeah it impacted every level of my life and it's it's changed the way my healing work operates it's changed everything so surrendering to that that's probably the point of telling this story is the surrender so there was a lead up to it I knew it was coming there was plenty of signals. There was plenty of like rumbles, like tremors, I guess, um, in some respects. And I was terrified because I don't have a partner. I live alone. I have a cat. <laughs> um, I don't have like a, a network of people that would suddenly go, oh, we haven't heard from Amanda today. Like if people don't hear from me, that's kind of normal because I, I like my alone time. And Everything I knew about what was coming from my studies was a bit like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like a disaster alone on the floor and my cat's going to eat my face off. Like, I don't want that to happen to me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And hence why I actually think I ended up having um, that main experience in such a large group because that was it was a group with amazing people in it that I, I guess on some level my body went, yeah, you're actually going to be okay here. Let's let go here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it, it took me understanding that to go, oh, yeah, even, so, even though I've been through this, I'm still not really okay with surrender on that level. And it's so natural because every layer that we think of as ourself and that we think of that's going to die if we let go, um, we don't understand that there's something much more beautiful and amazing behind that because nobody has ever taught us those things. 
Exactly. And that's so true. And it's an important point that, you know, you mentioned before, too, about being in that space of not knowing. And I think that no matter what you're doing, there's safety in the known. Even if even if it's suffering, it, it's safe. Yeah. It's safe because you know it. And whenever we're faced with this big blank canvas, um, it's it's scary. It can be very scary. Yeah, absolutely. Why go? I mean, it's like even going traveling. Like there's a part of us that goes, "Whoa, this is so exciting!" And then you sit there and you kind of crap your pants about it, going, "Oh my god, did I really sign up for this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the first night that I went, to, the first time I went, to, well, actually the only time I've been to India in this lifetime, but, um, and I, I was like, yeah, two months in India, woohoo. And I got there and I, you know, the first day I was in Kolkata and I went out and I didn't pay attention to where I was because I didn't understand that they don't have street signs and like easy to follow ways to figure out where you are. <laughs> and none of the t- drivers actually know where things are either it's really weird um (laughs) so I somehow went out wandered around freaked out at all the crazy things that I was experiencing because it's such a crowded intense place then was like shit how do I get back to my hotel (laughs) and I got back to my hotel and I like stayed in my room and I was like I cannot believe I've signed up for two months here what the hell was I thinking you know like new experience how am I even going to survive this it's crazy you know Mm. yeah so so let's look at that a little bit about you know stepping into the unknown and then there's fear and I know in the creative process, which is what I focus on a lot because that's what I love and that's what I help support women with, you know, whenever we're starting something new and this is excitement, just like you traveling to India, and then, you know, all of a sudden the fear just jumps in and it can be, it can actually freeze you. And I think that there's this misunderstanding about fear uh, and wanting to get rid of it and if it you know like you said before we started talking that the idea if we could get rid of it then everything would be all right and I want you to just expand on that a little bit and just sort of assuage the idea that fear is a bad thing Mm, I I wow I love this topic (laughs) it's something I can probably talk on about for ages um it's look I think that a lot of what we um suffer from in our culture is actually the fear of fear it's the trauma of fear it's that we haven't we've been taught that safety is better than fear and um you know if you look at the way that parenting goes down and you know stranger danger and and the media which just absolutely pumps out fear 24 7 um our whole life and even our our, um entertainment they call it entertainment right but it's like everything that happens pretty much in most movies and tv shows is about fear and and drama and struggle and something going wrong and never mind all the violent ones we have a culture of fearing fear Mm. and in our fear of fear we then begin to think that fear is the bad guy but um, the bad guy is really only – that's actually our, our – it's like the boogeyman, right? It's like when you're a kid and you had the boogeyman. And <laughs> my boogeyman I used to make deals with. It was like, I really need to go to the bathroom. You can be in the hall as long as you like except for the times when I need to get from my door to the bathroom and back. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work? 
Yeah, (laughs) he's quite a respectful boogeyman in that way. We made that deal and I'm like, you've got free reign at night, but just not when I want to walk to and from the bathroom. Thanks. That's fantastic. (laughs) I think we can use that. I think that's a fabulous tip that we can actually speak to our fears and make a little agreement or contract with it so that we can slowly and slowly just, you know, be okay with fear being in our lives. Yeah, because we don't, we don't actually like, we don't want to let fear run our life. Like you said, where we get to the point where we're frozen, we can't do anything. We can't take a step forward or back. We're stuck in place. And, you know, I think that the, it's much more beneficial and healing for us to all admit that we all have those moments. And like I said, I was doing a little rant on, on fear actually in my, my own Facebook group recently and saying, you know, like if you, if you want to tell me that you have no fear, let me just like place my hand over your mouth and your nose and cut off your airway and let's see if your body has a response to that that's about survival. Fear is a survival emotion, yeah? It's a survival tactic that says, hey, let's not die. (laughs) That's pretty much what fear is trying to do. Let's not die. Let's not do this thing because that might be dangerous. Um, And the problem, as I said, fear of fear, is that we are conditioned into believing that so much is dangerous, absolutely so much. And, you know, like I had my mother, bless her, once tell me um, that when I'm walking on the streets at night, I should um, put my keys in my fingers so that then if somebody tries to attack me, I can punch them with my keys. And the very idea of that to me was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Why would I want to do that? Um, But that's her fear of fear and fearing that walking alone on the street means you're going to be attacked, whereas it's never really occurred to me. I have fears of other things, but I've never really worried about that one in particular. Um, But, yeah, so we have this culture of conditioning fear in ourselves and in others, and then fear becomes this thing. It's like, it's oh, my God, it's scary to feel fear. Ah, I want to do anything I can to not feel that. And as a result, we actually lose one of our valuable messengers. It's a messenger that says, really be like, pay attention. We want to pay attention. We want to make sure that we're not going to die. (laughs) And I think if you're in this game of believing, like in some circles, there's this game which says we can remove all your fear. Why would you want to do that? I want my fear. I want it to motivate me. When I was in India in that first night in Calcutta, fear was what made me shit, how am I going to get back to my hotel room? I don't even remember the street that it's on. (laughs) And, you know, how do I even find somebody who can help me? Okay, wait, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. So the fear and the adrenaline that was pumping through was um, helping me remember things. And, you know, fear, when you've heard those stories, like people who there's somebody who has got something heavy, a car or something crushing on them, and other people just get this incredible burst of energy to lift that car off that person because their fear and their adrenaline is going, go, like make this thing happen. Um, And so if we don't have any fear, then it's like, well, that person's just dying. It's okay. You know, no worries. It's all good. Off to go go to God with you. It's cool, you know. (laughs) But because it's part of our survival story, we want to help that person. We don't want them to be suffering. We don't want ourselves to be suffering. So, you know, I think really a lot of the trouble comes when we deny that we feel fear. 
because the denial of it doesn't actually make it go away. It just gets buried deeper down in our system and then it can come up looking like illness or anxiety or or anxiety about fear, which I've actually had. I've actually had clients where it's like your trauma appears to be the anxiety of feeling anxiety, which is just another form of fear. And so there's so much anxiety about even having an anxiety attack that that in itself becomes like a a thing, you know, and that rules people's lives. So when fear is in its place, when it's a a messenger and a role and it's got its job to do and we're not ignoring it, because what happens when you've got a child who is being ignored? Do they shut up? Do they go away? (laughs) Or do they sit there going, mummy, 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 mummy? (laughs) they're going to be insistent until you listen to them so that's what the messengers you know whether it's fear or whether it's your intuition or anything else they want to be heard and when they're not heard they then start to look at other ways to get the message out to you Mm, that is such a beautiful way of looking at fear and you know when you said denial you know denial of having it is the problem I think it's really important, and I hope that all the listeners are taking this in, I certainly am, that, you know, to look at fear as a messenger, and I think the more we become conscious of the sensations that fear presents to us and recognizing them, because what happens when they're unconscious and we just feel like we shouldn't have fear and we're in denial, then we're trying to constantly get rid of it and get rid of it and get rid of it. And it's it's a losing battle. We're not going to get rid of the fear. All we can do is become conscious of it, make friends with it. And, you know, as you were talking, I was also thinking that, you know, instead of letting it be unconscious, which goes into the the survival mechanism of the brain and everything, that just to feel what that sensation feels like in the body and just be with it. And actually, sometimes, you know, it's not that bad. And there is a message there. If we can just take that pause, just that little tiny pause to say, ah, Fear is here. Let me see what it has to say. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I've got a couple of things I want to say around that. One is that um, one of the physical side effects of ignoring our fear is, or not always is, but can be adrenal dysfunction. And so that's when your adrenal system, the hypothalamus, pituitary and adrenals, Um, which operate together to produce all of our stress hormones, which are there to say, hey, there's danger, get out of the way, we're going to send you a whole bunch of energy down the line, run, get out of danger, right? The job of the adrenals is to turn on, to give you that extra boost so you can lift the car up off the person or whatever, and then they're meant to turn off. It's like they're there for that short, sharp burst, and they're meant to turn off. But when we live in fear and denial and Trauma, trauma is another, you know, aspect obviously of fear. And when we live in denial of how we really feel, then we develop this adrenal dysfunction or HPA dysfunction. And that means that your adrenals don't know how to turn off, which means they are consistently producing stress hormones. And when that happens, you get exhausted, you get digestive problems, you get like all sorts of chronic health problems, potentially, not always, um, if your adrenal system is misfiring and it can become quite serious. So it's, it's really, that's like the physical manifestation of what happens when you deny you're feeling fear. 
And then the other story I wanted to mention is that um, I had a beautiful um, experience of understanding that um, that fear is a messenger when um, I think I was so, as I said, I was assaulted um, in my mid-30s somewhere, can't remember exactly where, um, and it was a former lover, it was in my home, it was at night, I was terrified, I thought I was going to die. I didn't have anyone around me who knew what to do. And so I just tried to get on with life. And nobody kind of said to me, hey, maybe you should see a doctor. Maybe you should get some care for this. And I just tried to keep going. And I did okay. I was kind of waiting for things to get better. And they never really did. And um, so I was three years down the track, believe it or not, living with post-traumatic stress uh, flashbacks, um, feeling terrified if I just heard a car start outside of my door, and um, nightmares and, God, you name it. And I just thought I was kind of waiting for things to get better. Um, my body got sick of me waiting and eventually gave me the most extreme form of physical pain I'd ever experienced because it was pain that was like I'd take an in-breath and my whole body would melt in pain. And it was surrounding my shoulders, so that's interesting in terms of what we shoulder and take on. Mm. And I went and had x-rays and scans and saw the doctor and they're all like, yeah, there's nothing going on here. And then I went, oh, well, I'll take all of these results to my chiropractor who I was seeing at the time <laughs> and not having told him any of what I'd been through, even though I was still seeing him <laughs> through that time. That's kind of how trauma and suppressed fear represents. It's like not telling anyone this stuff, you know. Mm. And, um, and so I took him all those results and he's like, yeah, you know, there really is nothing going on here. And then he looked at me and he said, so is there anything else? that's going on in your life and I was like no life just kind of sucks you know I'm just waiting for it to not suck and then as I started talking tears started rolling down my face and I'm like I don't even know why I'm crying this is crazy I was so dissociated from my fear and my pain and my suffering that my eyes were leaking but I was not feeling those feelings and then he got me talking, I told him what had happened, and he's like, okay, so we, that's really good that you told me that, and now we're going to get you the support that you need so that you can start to recover. And I swear to you, I was driving home from the city because I'd got the pain was so bad that I was driving into the city, and um, I was driving home and I'm like, wow, my body feels so much better all because I'd started to pay attention and the body's like, great, you got the message and you're going to do something awesome. Now we don't have to literally be a pain in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> or a pain in your neck or a pain in your shoulders. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Amanda. That is, that is really insightful and very helpful, I think, um, to listeners out there that, you know, we live in an online world, a lot of us, and you know, what's presented there is often very, very one-dimensional. Um, you know, people act like they don't have fears and they're, everything's like they're on top of the world all the time. And I think it's really important to embrace that we're very multi-dimensional beings and that, you know, to embrace all of these aspects of ourselves and to see, as you have beautifully, beautifully shared with us, that all of these things trauma, fear, that they're all messengers. They're all just trying to get us back to that light and peel away all the things that are in the way of that light. 
Correct. So that we can be the beautiful spark of divinity in human form that we really are. And believe believe me, I actually see that light. I see it in myself. I see it in other people. And it moves me to tears, you know. And I love sharing that with people, that that is actually really a thing. It's not a pretend thing. It's not a metaphor. There is a divine spark of light within who you are and so you know the job is really how much are you prepared to open up to that and let that shine beautiful and on that note I want to share with the listeners who are feeling very called really ready to get more and more in touch with that spark of light if they wanted to connect with you Amanda what's the best way for them to do that Um, You can visit my website, which is called Return to Source Wellbeing, and that's not the tomato sauce. That's the source of all things. (laughs) (laughs) ReturnToSourceWellbeing.com. I also have a Facebook business page, and I also have a Facebook group, which was started for all of my clients who really seem to be that way as well, but it's gone a lot bigger than just my client base Um, and the group is called empowerment for sensitive peeps and it's a bit playful and no I didn't realize at first that the initials then spelled out ESP so I thought that was kind of funny Um. (laughs) (laughs) love it I love it and I love that you've created a really beautiful safe private group for uh, people who is it for women is it for men and women It is actually for men and women. There's Mm -hmm. probably only a handful of men in there, but they're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yes, it is largely a group of women, and um, there's a lot of people in there. There's not not everybody's active, but a lot of people message me and say, well, I don't really comment, but I really like being in your group. So I think even just being able to hear about um, what it is to be sensitive and an empath and open to um, other things other than just the physical world, I think even that is just, you know, inspiring and comforting for people. So that's really what the group is there for. It is indeed. It is indeed inspiring. And it's so good that there's groups like that available for us to, you know, share our hearts and be more and more our authentic self and be really true to who we are. Because a lot of us weren't brought up that way, as you say, we weren't taught how to tune into our intuition. We weren't taught a lot of things. And, you know, it's all coming forth now. And I really love it. And I'm so grateful that you came on the show today, Amanda, and just shared all of what you have said today. And it's so meaningful. It, It really makes me feel like, you know, we're just taking on everything that comes up, everything that arises and meeting it with a welcoming heart, with compassion and knowing that it's all there for our benefit. Nothing's there to really hurt us or harm us. It's just our mind that will tell us so. But if we really tune in, we can see that all of these things are like little guiding signposts to bring us back home. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your show. I still feel really honored and excited. So thank you. Oh, thank you, beautiful. It's so lovely to connect this way. Thank you so much. Thank you. And lots of love to everybody listening. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.